welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, this is uh, part two of a short little series here called What If the Christians Are Right? And uh, it was inspired by the video from Sparkle. If you missed last week, I'll just get you up to speed. Uh, A young lady by the name of Amber shared her testimony. We showed the whole video last week. In just a moment, we're just going to show a short clip because I want to focus on something else that she said. And um, But I I love what she said. It was just so strong during Sparkle. I was like, I have to show this to the whole church. Everyone has to see the transforming power of Jesus Christ. It was just so exciting to see. And uh, this week, I want to talk about this from her clip. She talks about being tormented. So it's going to be a short clip, only about 30 seconds. So I just want to set up. She's going to talk about being tormented and that she didn't want it to last for eternity. And just when she said this, I thought, I have got to speak about that. And uh, we'll get to it. But just go ahead and just show this clip, the short clip from Amber. So I was atheist and I didn't really see a future. I just saw, I saw death as like the end. This thought came into my head that was, what if the Christians are right? I was terrified because I knew that if the Christians were right, that meant hell would be real. And I already felt like I was in torment, so I didn't want that to be for eternity. I wanted it to end. And eventually I just gave up and I was like, God, if you're real, I need you. Isn't that interesting? God, if you're real. She's like, I was tormented. And she said, I was tormented and I didn't want it to last forever in eternity. Like if, if the Christians are right and I'm being tormented, I don't want this to last forever in hell. Like, God, I need you to reveal yourself to me. And he did. He revealed himself to Amber. She gave her life to Jesus Christ over a year ago. And when she said that there, though, I, it just, it, it hit me so strong about people that are living in torment what some would call a living hell. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Like, it's a living hell that I'm going through. And the title of my sermon is this, uh, don't go from a living hell to an eternal hell. Don't go from a living hell to an eternal hell. And, And in Psalms 116, verse three, the psalmist gives a taste of this. And I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, the sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from failing. He says, it's like hell got a hold of me. And I like the old English, gat. Hell gat. All right? It says hell got a hold. Like, it was gripping me. And the psalmist is like, I'm going through this, and it feels like I'm going through a living hell. And many of us can identify with somebody like Amber that says, I'm going through a living hell. Or you've seen things that bother you so much that it looks like a living hell. And today is a day of decision, and I'm praying that people would avoid hell. They'd be forgiven of their sins. They'd be right with God. And they would say, like, I I don't want to go to hell. Now, even just preaching on hell, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know there's there's people that are nervous, like, oh, boy, oh, boy, he's preaching on hell. He's preaching on hell. Most churches don't even talk about hell anymore. I was going to ask, when was the last time you heard a sermon on hell? And then I was like, well, that's an indictment on me too. All right, so 
But if you read Sparkle, ladies, how many know Nathan Finocchio talked about hell, grandma, hell and the Nazis. And I was like, where's that going, you know? But if for those of you that weren't at Sparkle, Nathan Finocchio talked about that. He said, today's generation, we're all like, love, love, love. God is love, 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 love. He said, you know, we'd ask people today if there's a hell and we'd be like, well, I don't know, because God's so loving. And he said, but you asked my grandma. You asked my grandma if there's a hell and she went through World War II with the Nazis. She's like, oh yeah, there's a hell and Hitler's there, okay? And so we at least heard a message about, but even just bringing up hell, some people were like, oh no, he's gonna talk about hell. And, and, and I invited a friend and oh no, are we one of those churches? Yeah, we are, we are. <laughs> we really believe in it. And um, yeah, so we're like, yay. No, 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 no. Like we were, Billy Graham said this, if you're gonna preach about hell, you, you, you should have some sorrow in your heart. You should have some tears coming up. Like, I don't wanna be the type of preacher like, I'm glad there's a hell and people are going there. No, I, I know there's a hell and I don't want anybody to go there. I'm never, I'll never forget when Reinhard Bonnke was preaching and I was at the stadium and he was preaching and he just started yelling, heaven full, hell empty. Heaven full, hell empty. And he's like, that's what I've given my life to, to fill heaven and empty hell. And so, yes, we believe there's a hell, but there's no joy in saying this, but it's like an obligation to tell the truth, to not just skirt over it. It's like we act like if we don't talk about hell, maybe it'll go away. Have you ever done that? You just like don't talk about a problem. Like we're not talking about that. Just pretend it's not here. It's like right there. Yeah, we're not talking about it. Yeah, we're not going to talk. We, 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 we act like God will forget. I don't know about you, but like sometimes my mom and dad would give us punishments when we were growing up and we'd be like, I think they forgot. You know, like I think today was pretty good. We won them over. And then they'd come in at about 10 o'clock like, and we didn't forget. You're still grounded. You know, oh. We, we wonder like if we don't talk about it, like maybe God's gonna grade on a curve and we'll just not talk about it much. And hopefully like, he'll be like, yeah, there's too many people going to hell. So we're gonna, these are no longer sins anymore. And we're gonna get some more people. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's really real. It's really real. And we wanna have heaven full and hell empty. And I know sometimes we say like, well, Pastor Rob, like narrow is the road and, and wide is the road. Just, yep, that's part of the Bible too. But look at what the Bible says about many coming to heaven. In Matthew 8, Jesus said this, I tell you, many will come, many, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer, outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said, yep, there's gonna be people going to weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. But he says, guess what? There's gonna be many people coming into heaven. Many people. And I think one of the things that I get discouraged about is sometimes I think like, oh, there's just so many people doing evil, so many things going wrong, so many people walking away, so many people, like, and, and you can start thinking, who's even going? Many. Many are going, many are going in, so don't lose heart. Keep sharing the gospel. Many are coming in. We're gonna keep sending the 500 because many are coming in. I've been hearing of revival starting all around the world in different places and that I'm just so tempted I wanna get on a plane and go and see it and be a part of it because many are coming in. And so it's our job to get out there and to talk about it. So we're gonna preach about hell and. And C.S. Lewis said this, like, it bothers us. 
He said, there's no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this hell. If it lay in my power, I would pay any price to be able to say truthfully, all will be saved. But he knew that he couldn't. He knew that he couldn't. He knew that it was there. And so it drove him to stand up for his faith. Billy Graham said this, if we had more hell in the pulpit, we would have less hell in the pew. I was listening to some of his old sermons. You know, he's like, you're going to burn. I mean, I was like, wow. He was like strong, way stronger than preachers are today. The famous preacher Billy Sunday said this, if there is no hell, a good many preachers are obtaining money under false pretense. But we speak about it. It's real and we don't want you to go there and there's no joy in talking about this. But we have to speak the truth. We speak about it. Even our Disciple You course, uh, our son Connor, our oldest son Connor, taught a course on it. There's three classes on it. You can watch it online. But some of the findings he found from this, that 73% of Americans believe in heaven, 62% believe in hell. So less. And what was startling, 92% of Christians believe in heaven, which still, like, why is that not 100? 92% of Christians surveyed believe in heaven. This one just started... 79% believe in hell. Again, we've got work to do. We've got work to do. See, the Bible tells us that hell was created for the devil and his angels. In Matthew 25, 41, it says, this is Jesus. Then he says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So that's who it was started for. And the Bible tells us that God doesn't take any pleasure in people dying and going to hell. Ezekiel 33, 11, it says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. God's like, I don't, I don't take pleasure in this. I don't take pleasure. I want you to turn. The Bible says that God's willing to forgive you. John 3, 16, for God so loves the world, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Another C.S. Lewis quote. How many know whenever you have a tough topic, you're like gonna quote C.S. Lewis, right? A couple times at least, all right. He said, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. He's given you a choice. Like you can choose heaven. You can choose forgiveness. You can choose to admit your sins and be forgiven and you don't have to go to hell. You may not realize this, but do you know who talked about hell the most of anyone in the Bible? Jesus. Correct answer. Somebody shouted out here, Jesus. Like a, there was a Sunday school class and this teacher said like, what is brown and furry and climbs up trees? And the little kid is in Sunday school class. He goes, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. You know, sorry. <laughs> all right. No, the answer is not always Jesus in every class. All right. Jesus, Jesus talked about hell more than any, like 90% of the New Testament references are from Jesus that are talking about hell. I mean, he's, he talked about the story of the rich man named Laz, uh, the rich man and then the poor man named Lazarus. We don't know the rich man's name, but the Bible tells us that they were waiting for judgment and there was a great gulf that separated them and the rich man was in torment and Lazarus was obviously in some form of paradise. And the rich man's like, if, could, could, 
could I just get, God, could I just get Lazarus to like dip his finger in a little water to quench, like just a little, no. Could somebody go back and warn my five brothers that they don't want to come here? And Jesus said, no, they had the law. They had the truth. They didn't listen to the truth. Even if somebody came back from the dead, they wouldn't change their mind. Like there's, Jesus was talking about this and illustrating this. He's saying, you don't want to go to this place. He said that the worm doesn't die. In Mark 9, 948, he says, he's talked about hell. He says, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. He talked about it being dark and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. He talked about throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He talked about an unquenchable fire. He said, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go into hell where the fire never goes out. Jesus talked about it a lot. And yet we don't talk about it in our churches very much at all. One pastor said he didn't know exactly how bad hell would be, but there were no paint colors he could paint with that could equal its terror. He said, this place is a place we don't want to go. Now, someone before Tim Keller passed away asked him this. They said, Tim, you know, you're a brilliant theologian. Do you really believe that hell is like, a fiery furnace. Like, do you really believe it's a fiery furnace? And that's what he said. He said, no, I think it's a metaphor. But it's a metaphor for something infinitely worse than fire. Now, I'm no brilliant guy like Tim, and he might have been right that it is a metaphor, that because we don't understand all the things. Like Jesus, when he was talking about hell, was talking about a valley that was there right outside of Jerusalem that was constantly burning. They would throw their trash in there, and there was constantly fire. So it could have been a metaphor, but he said it was fire. But either way, it was a place that we don't want to go. And what could be worse than all the things that we hear about? Well, this is what 2 Thessalonians talks about. It says, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Being shut out from God, being separated from God, being unable to be in right relationship with God. Torment, this is what we see from the Bible. And the thing that we hear over and over again is you don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. You can change your ways. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You can be forgiven of your sins. God loves you while you were his enemy. He sent Christ to die for you. You can be forgiven, but you got to do it before you die. You have to do it before you die. There's no second chance upon further review. I'd like to change my mind. No, you get to make that decision here and you repent of your sin. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, with the remaining time that I have, I want to talk about, um, and again, there's so much more on hell, and we have the Disciple You course. There's all sorts of things out there. We could go on and on. But I want to talk about those that are in a living hell. Because see, I think there's people all around us that are trapped in like a living hell. And it's not anywhere near hell, but it's like a taste of hell. People like Amber that are all around us. I got a text from a friend of mine, a doctor that is at our Crosstown campus. And he said, I work with Amber. He said, not exactly Amber, but I work with an Amber. And she's tormented. And I keep telling her about the love of Jesus. He even shared his faith 
at one point, he just saw somebody so tormented that was in a living hell with what they were going through. And he said, could I pray for you? Got in trouble from the board. They said, you can't do it. He's like, I got, I've got, she's in a living hell. I've given her medicine. I've given her everything I've got. I asked her permission. By the way, I went to a doctor this week for my ear. I've had some issues with it. And it was so refreshing to have uh, uh, our doctor from our Shakti campus uh, at the end of the visit, he said, I've done everything I can medically right now. And, and the one thing that we can do left is to pray. Can I pray for you? And I said, absolutely. And I ended my doctor visit with him laying hands on me and praying for me. Now that's a good doctor, all right? Yeah, you can clap for that. See, people are in, see, I'm just facing an ear issue that, that if you wanna know, I mean, I, I lose my balance. It actually happened this week again. I lose my balance, I fall down, I throw up. I mean, it's not fun, okay? And I'm like, can you help me? Now, it's not a living hell, it's, it's more like a nagging injury, okay? But there are people that have living hell sickness that is on, and they feel like, well, how do I get out of this pain? How do I get out of this pain? And we've gotta be willing to go and minister to them. And it, whether it's physical or emotional, like Amber, whether it's a spiritual attack, it's like something that is happening around them. I mean, right now, this very weekend, in Israel and in Palestine and in the Gaza, I mean, you got all this going on, war, and, and we're seeing images in real time being sent to us. And, and that's like a living hell that they're in. And you, you see this, and we've, don't forget, there's still Ukraine going on. And those people are like going, we have people in our church now that are part of River Valley Church that were once, like, a year ago in Ukraine, in a thriving church, just like River Valley, they showed me pictures of their building. And they're like, this is now a Russian headquarters. Our city's been taken over. We've lost everything. It's like a living hell that they were going through. And they came to America and now they're part of River Valley Church. And I'm saying, welcome home to River Valley. We welcome you in. We are so sorry for the living hell that you went through, but thank God for a taste of heaven now that you have here. When you go and you see the world and you see the extreme poverty and you see children with bloated stomachs, it's like a, a, a living hell. But thank God that you raised a million dollars. You said you might be trapped in like a, a living hell in a way of, of a taste of hell with no food and you're going to bed and you're starving. But guess what? River Valley wanted to deliver a taste of heaven and we raised a million dollars for 10 million meals because you said, I, I, I see you there. I see you in your pain and I wanna do something about it. Human sex trafficking, a, a living hell. I mean, I could go on and on, all these things, living hell. And yet the ladies at Sparkle said, here's tens of thousands of dollars because we wanna set women free. We wanna help them. We wanna give them a taste of hope in their living hell that they're going through. Pain, anguish, torment. It's like we get a taste of it. And the battle between heaven and hell, really like this spiritual battle is happening right now on earth. Right now on earth. This is like heaven and hell are right now in this battle, right now going on and people have a taste of hell and some of us get a taste of heaven. The psalmist, going back to the original text, the sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. It's there. People are going through like a living hell. Something is hurting them. 
painting them, destroying them. The first person I found in the Bible that was going through a living hell was Cain. Now, he had created his mess. He had killed his brother out of jealousy and out of rage. But this is what he said. He literally is talking about like, I'm, I, God, it's like I'm going through a living hell. Cain said to the Lord in Genesis chapter four, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. He's like, I'm in a living hell for what I did. And I'm gonna tell you what, if you do something sinful, if you do something wrong, if you do these evil deeds, even if nobody sees it, how many know inside there's a torment? There's a torment because your conscience is just yelling guilty, guilty, guilty. Even though nobody else can see it or hear it, it's like guilty. It's like a living hell there until you ask for forgiveness. But Cain, it's so interesting. I don't have time to go into all this, but he's like, he was like describing almost a taste of hell. He said, I'm out. Think about it. Hell, you're out. He says, you're, you're, you're taking me away from your presence, God. You're away from his presence. He's like, I'll be restless, like it never ends. And then he says, people want to kill me. It's like death and destruction all around me. It was like a taste of it. We get a taste of hell when we sin. Now, I know that the Bible says that the pleasures of sin is good for a season, but I'm going to tell you something. Sin has a terrible aftertaste. It's the taste of death. It's the taste of hell. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. People are in a living hell. And, and anything we face right now is just a small sample of what it's really like. But it's up to us to go out and rescue them. It's up to us to say, hey, I wanna bring a taste of heaven to you. God has you in their life to bring a taste of heaven. And for you to say again, like, we're gonna raise the money to, to feed you. We're gonna help set you free out of trafficking. We're gonna be there and we're gonna have a Bible study in the school where you are so you can find hope. We're gonna invite you in. We're not gonna exclude you out. We're gonna go to the inner city and go to the streets and do what we do. We're gonna, we're gonna go out there. I think about the children that we're helping all around the world and the missionaries that we send. And in 2018, UNICEF said this about the country of Yemen. And you may not realize this, but we had people that we sent to Yemen and they no longer can go back to Yemen. Something happened in the government because Yemen doesn't want people spreading the message of Jesus, but we sent them there. Now they can't go back, they escaped and it was, uh, Terrible situation. They, their heart was for these people and they can't go back now. But we sent them there because we want to give people that are living through a living hell in a way, a taste of heaven. In 2018, UNICEF stated about Yemen that they said children in Yemen are in a living hell. And this is what UNICEF said. It says a living hell, not just for 50 to 60% of children. It's a living hell for every single boy and girl in Yemen. This is in 2018, a place where people said, don't go, don't go, don't go. But our church is like, we're sending them. We're sending them there. And we sent them there. And again, they had to escape and get out and I can't go back. And, and, and I saw them the other day and I thought they'd be like, that was a close call. We're staying away. And they said, we're praying about our next place. I said, whenever you figure out where it is, we're sending you. Because we want to send a taste of heaven to people that are going through a living hell. 
We want to send the hope of Jesus Christ to places where they're wondering, where's hope? Where is life? Where is the joy? Where's the peace that will fill me? When people are in a living hell around us, and they are, they smile. They smile. How you doing? Oh, good, good. It's, but they're inside, they're dying, and they're saying, do you see me? I pray for a greater discernment in our church to look past fine. How you doing? Fine. Didn't feel fine. Are you fine, fine, or not fine? Follow the prompt. Follow the prompt. Because they'll say they're fine, but this darkness starts to envelop them, and they're like, do you see me? Does anybody see me? Does anybody care? Not everybody Googles River Valley Church like Amber did, okay? Some of them are like just walking in and you are their Google. I'm seeing if I walk by these cubicles, if anybody will answer the Google check right here. I'm just looking. I'm walking through the school hallway. Does anybody see me? Because I'm in a living hell right now. And I was just hoping that maybe somebody was tuned into God enough to kind of, hey, are you okay? I have permission to share this. Got it right before church. Um, Alexia, our daughter-in-law, Connor's wife, um, she shared the story and I shared it at their wedding. Again, I asked permission there. But she was in school in Minnesota, just darkness in a living hell. If I told you things about her life, you'd be like, no, no, no. Nobody should have to go through those things. And somebody in school just followed a prompt. Somebody in the school just followed a prompt and said, hey, your life matters. You, you, you have purpose. Like, I'm here for you. And she didn't Google a church, but somebody sensed, like, I think this girl's going through a living hell right now. I think she is. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to risk it. I'm going to step out. I'm going to throw it on the line and let her know she matters. And Alexia said, this girl saved my life. And from that, I found Jesus. Because somebody was willing to say, I feel your living hell. I'm looking past your fine. I'm looking past your smile. I know that you've got a taste of something that you don't want to have an eternity of. And I want to interject and I want to stop. I pray for boldness now for us to save the next Alexia, the next Amber. Come on, if you give God glory for that, let's clap and say, we're going to do it. We're going to step outside our comfort zone. We're going to move past fine. And we're going to go out and, and rescue people out of a living hell. I'll close with this. This is something that I just was so excited to end with. Um, if you're on earth and, and you accept Jesus and you get a deposit of the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. You get a taste of what... Is, is like coming and we're just getting like, uh, we're getting a little bit and, and like, we can't wait to get all that God, we're going to see him face to face. Like now we see dimly, we're going to get, okay. We get a deposit is what the Bible says of the Holy Spirit. If you get a taste of heaven on this earth, guess what? Heaven is even better. It's like you get the taste and then you get the full meal deal. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Now, if you have heaven on earth, but you don't give your life to Jesus, guess what? Like maybe your life is amazing. Maybe you're here and you're like, no, I don't feel like I'm going through a living hell. But you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is as good as it gets. 
The heaven on earth, the taste of the good things that you have in your life, they don't follow you into hell. Like it still is torment, whether you went through a living hell on earth or you had it really good, it, it, it doesn't follow you. Does that make sense? The good can go into heaven, but the good can't go into hell. Now here's the other thing. The bad, the living hell that you're here on earth. Amber was right. The living hell that's here can follow you into hell. It can go from bad to worse. But here's the greatest part of this equation here. Are you tracking with me on this equation? I'm just more excited than I think I'm communicating it. Uh, <laughs> the living hell that you might be going through here, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, it can't follow you into heaven. Revelation 21, 27, nothing impure will ever enter heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing impure, like anything bad and pure, it's not making its way in. So you might say, I got this, I get this pain, this trauma, this torment, this struggle, even somebody that would be in the worst of the worst of the worst, when they give their life to Jesus Christ, even if it just changes by degrees on earth, it gets the full meal change. It gets the whole change in heaven. Nothing follows them in. They get joy and peace and wholeness in the presence of God. And the greatest thing we can do is go out and let people know that heaven is real, that hell is real. They have time on earth to make the choice. They get to decide. They get to say, thy will be done or thy will be done. But we get to go out and be the ambassadors. Billy Graham, I close with this last thing. He said, when he was preaching on hell. And by the way, you could Google that sermon and watch Billy Graham preach on hell. But he said, you're not, you're not mean to tell people there's danger ahead. It's kind of you to tell them there's danger ahead. It's kind of you to interject in their life and show compassion and care for the eternal soul. It's kind of you to wave the warning flag, like don't go that way, don't go that way. It's the kind thing to do. And I'm praying that we would do the kind thing and we'd tell people the truth. There is a heaven, there is a hell. You don't have to go to hell. Hell, you can go to heaven. We want to see heaven full and hell empty. And we will open up our mouth. We will go past the Minnesota fine. We will go through that. We will follow the prompts and we will find the next Ambers, Alexia, Zeeks, and all of the people in between in Jesus' name. So Lord, I thank you for using Amber's testimony and sparking within us just this reawakening again, that people don't have to go to hell. And hell is real, but we can warn them about it. We can tell them about it. We can follow the prompt. We can save lives. We can go out on the, the edge and just say, hey, I didn't, I didn't sense it. We can pray for patience. We can pray for people in school. Lord, I, I just pray that we'd be more bold. I pray that we'd be more confident in our faith. We'd follow the prompts of the Holy Spirit and we'd warn people because we really believe this and it's with no joy that we talk about it, but it's with the confidence that you forgive and you still love people so much that if they call upon your name, they can be saved. So we thank you for that, God. And we thank you for Amber's testimony and I pray that it would change many lives. I thank you for Alexia's testimony and all the people that made a difference in her life and, and, and saying, are you fine? Are you there? But God, help us. Help us to continue to reach people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.